It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. So there's this phrase, you've probably seen it on social media or wherever the case may be that, you know, you never know what somebody's going through. It goes something along the lines of, you know, everybody you encounter today is going through something, so be kind. Something like that, right? It's true. It's true. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got stuff. And I know there are people that I'm personally connected with that I love so dearly that I'm praying into their lives and I'm a part of their lives on the regular. And I know what's going on behind the curtain. And I see what's posted on social media. And it's it's sweet and it's glorious and it's beautiful and it's authentic. It's not fake. It's not phony. It's just such a small slice of the pie. It is not at all the whole story. Right. And having being close to their hearts and knowing the whole story, you know, I, I, I see the sweet posts and my heart aches a little bit because I know what's all going on behind Right. The scenes. Right, which is true for me, for you, for right. each person. It's true for everybody that we encounter. And so there's a piece of that that as we walk, as we come across people, I think especially this month, Perry, there's, you know, it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. Right, right, and yet right. it's got all this deep sadness connected to it. Like it's just a hard, hard month to walk through. And it can be both of those things. It can be sweet and painful at the same time. Mm-hmm. And everybody around you is experiencing that. So yes, do be kind. But the truth of the matter is, I'm experiencing that. You're experiencing that. And it can feel at times like we're getting pulled under, you know, and like, how long can I hold my breath? I feel like I'm going under the water. For you and I, as those who are following Christ, we don't have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We don't have to somehow figure out how we're going to make it. We have a God who sustains us. We have a strength that is completely other than what we're capable of. And we have each other. Yeah. The word says, encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. Face-to-face encouragement. And scripture tells us that we can have a peace that passes understanding. In other words, we can... In the presence of God, by drawing near to the Father and and taking Him at His word. I mean, come on. Go to the Lord and be honest with where you're at, with what you're wrestling with, and call Him out on what He has said. Yeah. Call Him out on His promises. Straight up, pray Scripture to Him. And then wait to see what God will do. Hope and believe that you can have, you can have peace in the midst of your chaos. You can have joy that makes no sense whatsoever. And it's not a someday hope. It's for right now. We live in the now and not yet Mm. of the kingdom of God. I was literally just talking about this with my daughter on the way to work this morning. Really? Literally. Yeah, I'm super excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah, the kingdom of God is where God reigns, where life is as it should be. But Perry, there's so much violence in the world and so much broken in my life. I don't see it. I don't see the now of the kingdom right now. But remember, it's now and not yet. But to be sure, there is a now. When Jesus broke into our world, he healed the sick, he opened blinded eyes, 
He cleansed the lepers. He preached good news to the poor. He raised the dead. God's reign was breaking in through Jesus Christ. And then in a confounding, upside-down, heroic act, he smashed the power of sin and death and evil and Satan and all the minions of Satan. And through death, he did this. He killed death through death. And since then, death has been working itself backward, as C.S. Lewis Mm -hmm. says. And when the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he was saying, this is where the world is headed. Come on. Then Jesus ascended to heaven and poured out his spirit on his people, and now his presence lives in us. Now God reigns in us and through us. And from the first century till now, the sick have been healed, the blind have been given sight, the dead have been raised. These miracles have been happening mm-hmm. throughout since the first century up until yeah. now. So here so here's the thing. We live in this now and not yet. We're we're living it out. So the conversation I was having with my daughter this morning was about hope and what we hope for and being realistic. So that's how it played out, the now and the not yet, like being realistic about what is, and yet we're a people of hope. And you know, where we fall on that. Well, I tend to be more realistic. Well, I tend to be more hopeful. I think that, I think that as Christ followers, we're called to be both, to, to understand the reality that we live in and not be ignorant to it, not be like, that's not true, but also to, to live in the tension of the reality that we live in and that the not yet is coming. Mm -hmm. So the tension of the reality is that how can God be reigning now when there's so much evil in the world? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yes. There's so much evil and there's so much brokenness. And then we even look to our history and we say, this is how it has always been. And then we want to say from that and how it always will be. Mm-hmm. And yet as Christ followers, we can say, this is how it always has been. And this is how it is right now. But it's not always going to be like that. Right. But even in looking at how it is and seeing all of the, the bad things, you know, we're talking about, I guess, evidences of spring. Yep. Yeah. That the snow is melting mm-hmm. and that, that the grass is breaking up through the snow. And, and think about this miracle of the kingdom now. Millions and millions and millions of people from tribes and tongues and peoples and languages have been filled with the Holy Spirit and the church through the centuries up to now, has been steadily doing even greater works than Jesus. That's just a little glimpse of the now of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. To be sure, there is a now. Mm-hmm. But there's so much not yet. Oh, yes. And that's what, you're, that's what you're alluding to. There's yes. so much not yet. And we need to hold on to the not yet. Yes. Right? Even yep. in the midst of the here and now. Like it's, I think some people could take the stance of that's unrealistic, Look at the world around you, and they want to show you the concrete evidence of the now, right? But we're we're supernatural. We're not just natural. You can show me all the natural. I get it. But I'm also supernatural because the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. And so— Which is the now of the kingdom, yes, by the way. Yes, right, right. A deposit now of the inheritance that is yet to come. Well, where God lives, God reigns. Mm-hmm. So you're his temple, and he is— expressing his rule and reign through you because you're his temple. That's the now. Hmm. So I, just in a real practical way, like I so lived this out with my son's illness. My son was diagnosed 
with ulcerative colitis and told it, this will be, he will have this for the rest of his life. This is your reality. You need to just accept it. So as I prayed for him, I prayed, God, give us wisdom for the now, for the symptoms that he's having, for the, for what he's experiencing in his body right now and the reality of this diagnosis and heal my boy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to stop asking for the not yet because of the concrete, you know, evidence, tangible reality of right now. And, and living in that tension was hard at times, but to God be the glory you're not supposed to be able to heal ulcerative colitis. Right? It doesn't go away. Right. My son has been healed. God touched him and yeah. healed him in a moment. Miraculously. And it's gone. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's the now. That's right. the kingdom breaking in. Yeah. There is so much not yet, though, as we just said. The war in Israel, in Ukraine, violence in our cities, in our families, injustice, abuse, racism. And in our calling to bring the kingdom into the chaos, because that is our calling Right. Of the now of the kingdom is to bring the kingdom into the mess and bring order and bring life. Still, as we bring the kingdom into the chaos, still our hearts get weighed down by the evil. And we long, I long for the not yet. Because the not yet is going to be so much greater, mm-hmm. so much greater. I mean, exponentially greater than the now of the kingdom. Jesus Christ will break through the eastern sky and not just some, but all the sad things will come untrue. And that's Christmas. That's Christmas, that's you know, that Jesus in a manger is is the foretaste of all the sad things coming untrue. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. It's not a, hey, fingers crossed. Here's hoping. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No. We have a sure and certain hope. God is who he said he is. He will do what he said he's going to do, and we can bank on it. Yeah, because of the resurrection. Yep. In the resurrection of Jesus is the new creation. That's where it's all headed. So a couple things to take away from this. One is that don't become weary in well-doing mm-hmm. right now. Keep pressing in. Let the Holy Spirit reign more and more in your heart. I want him to reign more and more in my heart. And again, don't be weary in doing good because in due time, we're going to reap a harvest. And the second part of it, lament like the prophets of old. How long, Lord, until you come again? How long till you bring evil's final end and justice finally wins? of spending time. Yesterday, I was spending some time with the Lord, and I was reading in Isaiah 58, verse 11. Listen to this. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And this, these words fell on me like like water to my soul, totally. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that God is my provision. He is everything that I need. And my circumstances can't take away from me who God is to me. That means I'm constantly provided for. Like I always have what I need. I remember Kaylee went to Israel. My daughter Kaylee went to Israel and she remembers being up on a mountain and seeing this this vast desert. And God just said, that's your heart without me, but Mm -hmm. I'm living water to your heart. I think that's what you're getting at. 
Yes, that he, well, that he is our provision. I think so often when we think about God providing for us, we tend to think of him as a God who has access to resources and whatever we're needing. He's got access to that so he can reach into that resource and he can distribute that to us mm-hmm. instead of realizing that he is the resource. He is the answer to the need. Yeah. Yeah. You go back to the garden. The The river through the garden represented God. The tree of life represented God. You know, God himself being life itself. I think that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. And yesterday, as I was reading through the scripture, spending time with the Lord, I started to think about what my needs are as, as, as I was thinking about the words, you know, he will satisfy your needs. I was like, what are my needs? And some of my needs are, I need to be seen. I need to be acknowledged. I need to be, I'm just being honest with you. Sure. I need to be known. Yep. I need to be understood. I need to be loved for who I am. I need to be accepted. I need to be rescued, heard, forgiven, protected, defended, pursued, valued, wanted, chosen. I need to know that I'm safe. I need a safe place. There was one particular day that I was feeling so overlooked and some of the most painful moments of my life have not been when pain was inflicted upon me, but rather when I was completely unacknowledged and overlooked. That's such a trigger for me. But on this one particular day, I was in meetings and I was spoken over several times, never with, uh, you know, someone speaks over you and then they say, I'm sorry, I think I overspoke what did you have something you wanted to say? Mm-hmm. That didn't transpire. So you're saying the me monster was in the room. Yeah. And I felt invisible and I felt insignificant. And that day, this was all before noon. And that day we went out to lunch, arrived at the restaurant, we're walking into the restaurant. And as we got to the door, there was a gentleman in front of me and he opened up the door for me to go first. And I immediately my eyes just swelled with tears. I was like, I am not invisible. He sees me. He saw me. And it wasn't about what that guy did. Mm -hmm. I felt God's love in that moment. I felt like it was God saying, I see you. Yeah. Not this guy. Yeah. And I think of these needs that we have and they are, they're real and we do need these things. But if, but if I put that on like Teresa, I need you to meet all my needs. You know, I need you to to fulfill all these things. You know, nobody's going to come through like the Lord. Right. People will, and they do, but they can't be everything that the Lord is to me. And the pain of feeling invisible, I think, is the reason that I often long to be noticed because being invisible has been so painful to me in the past. And all the while, the reality is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, creator of all things, God Almighty, sees me, knows me, loves me. He is the provision of every deep longing in my heart and every need. So what what do you need? What are the things that you're hoping to get? Where are you hoping to get those needs met? I think that's even a more important question. Where are you looking to get your needs met? Because the truth is, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs. 
in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So you and I, in the midst of our circumstances, we can go to Jesus. We can look to Jesus, not that he might somehow give us what we need, but because he is what we need. There's poison in me, and there's poison in you, and it's killing you and me, and there's only one cure. The poison is something that's not at all palatable in our culture. It's the doctrine of original sin. It's the truth that poison has been passed down to us from our first parents. The poison that causes us to kill, maybe not literally, but to kill with our words Mm. and to kill in other ways and to tear down and not build people. It's a poison that causes us to kill and it's killing us. And I was listening to a message from my friend Rod Van Sokema and he was talking about G.K. Chesterton. And G.K. Chesterton was one of the greatest thinkers of the 20th century. And he writes about original sin. He says, Christianity, listen to this, Christianity preaches this unattractive idea of original sin. But when we actually wait for the results of the doctrine of original sin, we find that the results are pathos, empathy, brotherhood, and a thunder of laughter and compassion. For only with original sin can we have compassion on the beggar Mm. and distrust for the king. So what he's saying is that I have the poison of sin in me and you have it in you is the great equalizer. Mm. I'm not better than you. Right. You're not better than me. What we share in common at our very core is need. And I think it's important to point out that that exists before we knew Jesus, but it exists now as well. And I th- I think that sometimes there can be this mentality shift of, you know, there's there's definitely a I, you know, this is how I was before I came to know Jesus and this is how I am now. But rather than having that separate us from those who don't know Jesus, it should be that which causes us to have compassion on them because there is no us in them. Yeah. There's just us. The gospel should humble us. As Tim Keller says, you know, that, that Jesus died on the cross. We were, we were that bad that Jesus had to die on the cross for us. And we are that bad. And we are that loved that Jesus came to die on the cross for us. And, Mm. you know, we as believers, self-included can be can become some of the most self-righteous people. And there's some real self-righteousness going on in West Michigan in politics by people who are Christ followers. It's it's not going to go very deep into that, but there's some really powerful self-righteousness going on. And this idea that we are sinners, I am a sinner, you are a sinner. This is This should be a leveler. Mm. This should not cause us to be prideful or self-righteous at all. I mean, it makes me think about the story in the Bible, you know, where, you know, the person is beating their chest and their remorse of their sin. Mm -hmm. And then the guy who said, thank you, God, that I'm not like him. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, the self-righteousness there. And there is no way that we can make godly decisions if we're harboring self-righteousness in our hearts. We can't make good judgments Mm. about things that are going on in culture if we're full of pride and self-righteousness. It's not going to happen. 
Brene Brown says that the opposite of compassion is not um, being cold-hearted or uncaring. It's actually self-righteousness. The opposite of? Compassion. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I see that. It's it's not to not care at all. It's to it's to think you're better. Yeah, to feel like you're better then. So, man, this is so important. The poison of sin. It's in you, it's in me. It's running in our veins, and it will kill us, but not forever. There is a cure. There is a cure. I'm <laughs> just thinking right now. I'm laughing at us because I'm thinking it's so funny because we're like, you know, there's this group of people that are self-righteous. There's a level of self-righteousness in there. Well, I you said, know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I said self-included. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm just saying the great equalizer is not to have an, be an us or them at all, but like God help us, you know, God help us. God help all of us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, thanks for that. That's good. So it's a poison that's in us. It's running in our veins, but there is a cure. <laughs> there's a cure for me. There's a cure for you. Mm-hmm. And it's a cure that will raise the worst of sinners from the dead. And that is the precious blood of Jesus. Listen to this. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. I mean, just that that first line, no guilt in life. That's our reality because of Jesus. No guilt in life whatsoever. Yeah. Don't have to don't have to feel awful about the things that I have done, about the people that I've heard, about the things that I've said, the mistakes that I've made. Free of that. We can live in the freedom of total forgiveness with reckless confidence. That's a Michael Card lyric. That's so good. Live in the freedom of total forgiveness with reckless confidence because of the blood of Christ, which he is he has shed once and for all. And the, the price has already been paid. My sins are already forgiven. Now, I still I still confess my sins because there's still sin remaining in me, but I'm confessing sins to God in order to keep close relationship with him, but I'm confessing sins that are already forgiven. That's right. And I know the enemy comes at you. The enemy comes at me too. And there are those thoughts that when I'm quiet and alone that will enter into my mind about something that I've done in the past, a a hurt that I caused somebody else. And the enemy wants me to remember it because he wants me to feel that pain again. And not only does he want me to remember the moment, but he wants to tell me that that's who I am. Yeah. Shame. That's defining, right? Shame is I goes to identity. It says, this is who you are forever. Always you're unforgivable. And the most important thing to remember in that moment is he is a liar. Right. He is a liar. And that is a lie. You and I are not defined by any one given moment in our life except for the moment when we accepted Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior. That's the moment that defines you and me. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me.
The day after Thanksgiving, while the world was all out Black Friday shopping, did you guys, either of you do Black no. Friday shopping? No. Ben? Yeah, I did. What'd you get? Um, Not too much. Got some golf balls for myself mm-hmm. at a really good price. And then, uh, boy, I can't remember the other stuff that I grabbed, but we went all over the place, went over to Blaine's, Target, Meyer, uh, Dunham's, all over the place. Oh, wow. Very fun. Mm -hmm. I did not enter into all the Black Friday shopping. So I was at home and I got a friend. I had, I got a phone call from a friend and she was just struggling. She was wrestling. She, outside of her window of her home, she was seeing these families out together on walks, you know, all bundled up, very Hallmarkish, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And going for walks together and laughing and having fun and what, and she was home alone. And so she was just really wrestling with that, that the day wasn't looking like what she wanted the day to look like. She just longed to be with her family. And I, uh, my heart just hurt for her. And so I was so grateful that I was home and I was able to receive that call and just bless her a little bit and, you know, wrestle with her with the disappointment and, and just be there for her. And this was a reality. So we prayed together and encouraged one another and, And then we got off the phone and the funny thing was I was dealing with some disappointment myself Mm -hmm. on the day after Thanksgiving. Do tell. I had some expectations for the day after Thanksgiving. So here's how I pictured it in my head. I like to wait until after Thanksgiving to decorate for Christmas. But I tell you, once Thanksgiving is over, I want to be all about it. So I had hoped that we could get the tree. So I've got two kids that live overseas. So of the four of us that were here stateside, I'm imagining the four of us bundling up, going together as a family to pick out the tree, cut it down, you know, rope it onto the top of the vehicle, drive home playing Christmas music, set it up, you know, is it straight? All the things, the lights, the decorations. Mm -hmm. This is how I had pictured the day after Thanksgiving going down. What I didn't realize is that my son had to work so I had texted everybody in the morning. He was already at work and I just said, Hey, can we get, how do y'all feel about getting the tree this afternoon when you get home from work? He was like, no, (laughs) I do not want to get home from work and then go through the whole tree thing. My daughter was like, yeah, not really feeling that today, mom. My husband was like, you know, well, you know, I guess not. Well, maybe we'll do it tomorrow. We can do it tomorrow. I'm thinking through the Saturday and I'm like, this is not going to happen tomorrow because I know what the events are of Saturday. My husband was nursing a brisket <laughs> for 24 hours that he was smoking. You know, we're, we're not going to be able to walk away and go get a tree to and leave the brisket unattended. So all the things. Anyway, I had my own disappointments. And here's the really here's the reality that I didn't know until, you know, after this phone call with her, I had unmet expectations. I had unvoiced expectations. I hadn't told everybody, Hey, this is really would mean a lot to me if we could all do this. I kind of floated it out there. What do you guys think? And everybody's like, nah, 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 nah. And then I had my own disappointment that I had to deal with. So there were two things going on. I mean, two things that surfaced for me out of this is maybe you can relate. Maybe you've got some unmet expectations. Okay. So, uh, so here, here's the thing with me. We're babysitting our our grand cat. Right. Starting today. And because of that, the tree is not up. Unmet expectation. I mm-hmm. wanted to get that tree up this weekend. Mm-hmm. So. And it's going to have to wait. 
blasted cat. So here's the thing. We've got choices with our unmet expectations. And this is what I want to chat a little bit about. How do you deal with your unmet expectations? Mm-hmm. Because we do. We have choices. And I was so tempted. I was tempted for a hot minute to just hold a grudge against everybody who is keeping my expectations from becoming a reality. Yeah. As if it was their fault. <laughs> as if they were the problem. Mm-hmm. Which is not true. Because I didn't tell them what my desires were, right? So I shouldn't be blaming it on the cat. Right. It's not the cat's fault. I love it's the not, cat. It's not the people's fault who own the cat and asked you to babysit the cat. Right. Because you made right. a choice to say, yes, yes. we'll babysit well, the cat. Teresa made the choice. <laughs> okay. But the truth of the matter is we can't make everybody else do what we want them to do. And this goes, and I talk about this a lot, but this goes to the whole, like, we want to be king. We want to rule. We want to reign. We mm-hmm. want everybody to do what we want them to do. I'm sorry, little wake up call for you. That's not realistic. That's not mm. life, right? Mm. We can't make other people do what we want them to do. Yeah. So, yeah, you could be tempted to point the finger and blame and be angry. I don't think that's the best choice. I think mm. there's another way to handle our unmet expectations. And then the second thing that kind of stands out to me from my unmet expectations experience is that I felt lonely. Just like my friend was feeling lonely, I felt lonely because my husband ended up running to Byron Center to buy the brisket that he was going to nurse for 24 hours. So we'd have an amazing meal on Saturday night. It was just really this act of love, right? This act of service for the whole family that he was doing. But he went to go buy the meat. My son was at work. My daughter was like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to go sit at the coffee shop where my son works part-time, get some homework done, and also get some interactions with my brother. So she went there. So I was home alone too. You should have went with Haven. I could have went with Haven, but I also knew that this was kind of a a sibling opportunity ah, for them to connect it. and have a special time. And yep, yep. I was like, no, I wanted her to have that with her brother, sure. you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I felt I was alone. I was home alone, but I wasn't alone. God was right there with me. And he's he can handle my honest disappointment and he can help to create a new plan with me. And I really did enjoy his company. I love him so much. He's really great company. He totally gets you. He's not like, I don't understand, Shauna. What's your problem? He totally understands. And it kind of diffuses our emotions when we open them up to the Lord and we're honest about them with him. Mm-hmm. So my encouragement to you from my own experience with my unmet expectations and my unvoiced expectations is first and foremost, if you've got a desire in your heart, don't be afraid to share that with the people that you love. Let them know what your hopes are. And if it doesn't go down the way that you thought it was going to go down, that's okay too. And it's not their fault that it doesn't go down the way that you want it to go down. You've got a savior who loves you who wants you, who chose you, who's with you, who understands you. What a blessing. Let's enjoy this Christmas with him. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.